0: Hello and welcome to the AIPT Comics Podcast, episode 212, Holy 212, for folks who like hundreds. My name is David Brooke, I'm here with Nathan Simmons, Nate Simmons, to those in Florida. If you're nasty. How you doing, Nathan? I'm good, man. Uh, I'm, I'm really jazzed. We just had a, we
1: just recorded mm. a really, really fun interview just an hour ago. We, we sat down with Sandy King to talk about mm-hmm. Storm King Comics, uh, their upcoming slate, and celebrating 10 years of... Uh, producing comics, uh, including John Carpenter's uh, Science Fiction Tales. Was it? No, sorry. Tales of Science Fiction, yeah, include- the Envoy
0: number one, which came out this week. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can and, just uh, you can just cut out me getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we also talked a lot about Fetch. Uh, the yes. first book came out. It's a middle grade graphic novel mm-hmm. that you really enjoyed.
1: I loved Fetch. It I, I really, really spoke to me, really enjoyed that. And it's like a really... We get into... A lot of cool stuff about how, you know, there's there's different ways to introduce uh, young readers and and new readers to horror and and Mm. suspense and sort of speaking to people where they're at instead of talking down to them. You know, Um, it's a it's a really great chat. And folks who listen to this show or my other podcasts know that I'm a massive fan of her work and John Carpenter's work. So uh, this was a, a, a real treat.
0: Yeah, it was it was a delight. It was interesting what you just said. we were talking about introducing horror to younger ages mm-hmm. that want to be scared and don't want to be talked down to. So yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. We, we and and I, and I think, think, I, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm. The, the, it's just a, it's a really fun chat, and she has such a great uh, feel for story and for you know and, and understands what what people are looking for in new stories. And one of the things that I really loved is that she prides herself. I mean, Storm King, they, they pride themselves on, uh, being a company that takes care of creators. Like they, they get that it's like a tough industry. And so they kind of pride themselves on
0: being good to the people who are, you know, creating stories with them and making comics. To make comics, not to make IP that'll become movies. Exactly. Shows. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: a, it's a really fun chat. So I'm, I'm looking forward to listening back to it this weekend.
0: That's a good way to queue up our news this week. Uh uh-huh. If you're not familiar, we always recap the biggest news of the week. And the I would say the most interesting mm-hmm. news of the week might be that Marvel Comics is launching the 20th Century Studios Comics imprint, Right. which more or less has already kind of started, but they're actually mm-hmm. officially putting a 20th Century Studios logo on certain right. books like Planet of the Apes, Predator, and Alien. But the press release also says, and more. So interesting. what other 20th Century Studios products or movies could uh-huh. come out? I mean, Independence Day, Avatar eventually, maybe? Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, could be. CB Cebulski was quoted in the news that was reported on Friday, uh, if you want to go read mm-hmm. the, the full quote. But essentially, I think they realized they have this kind of, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say cash cow, but they have this little imprint that they can create to make it feel a little more special.
1: I like that. Yeah. I I tell people like this is, these are the stories, you know, and and love, and these are, you know, new, new takes on them. And who knows, maybe we'll get Titanic uh, or, uh, (laughs) home alone. Or, uh, you know, there's, there's so many more stories to be told in the ice age universe. Uh, let's get, uh, let's get a free guy comic, uh, the greatest showman, Alvin uh, and the Chipmunks, uh, d- 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 uh, Alien Covenant, just Alien Covenant, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm Percy, not, Jackson? I'm just, Percy Jackson? Percy uh, Jackson? Percy Jackson, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, oh my uh, Horton Here's a Who. I'm definitely not just running down a list of... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the series. Oh, wow,
0: yes, I like it. Yeah, we could do that. Um, yeah, uh, clearly... Um, the Further Adventures of
1: the Martian. The Day After the Day After Tomorrow.
0: Uh, I think a theme with a lot of the news this week is like Mm. old is new again Uh, which of course 20th Century Fox old and dead now 20th (laughs) Century Studios new and brand new also Agatha Harkness used to be old Yeah, now she's young. Uh, <laughs> so Marvel uh, revealed that Agatha is the main villain of that event or story arc that we talked about last week called uh-huh. Contest of Chaos, which right. uh, Stephanie Phillips is actually headlining. But it's all starting in Steve Orlando's Scarlet Witch, Annual Number One, with Perfect. art by Carlos Snieto. And uh, yeah, apparently it's setting up Agatha Harkness, who, wait a minute, why is she young? Well, in mm-hmm. Midnight Suns, that mm-hmm. recent miniseries, she was de-aged in a sense. Um, and now she's back and looking sexy as ever. That's
1: right. Um, And it's also a nice little tie in. Uh, Again, we're talking brand synergy. Yeah, right. The Agatha Harkness Disney Plus series is supposed to be called Agatha Coven of Chaos. So we're really leaning into the chaos magic here. Um, It's 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 good. I I love Agatha Harkness as a character. I'm a little uh, still a little confused by uh, the new hotness, so to speak. But yeah, cause uh, she was
0: always like a, like an Aunt May type. <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, immortal Aunt May type. Um, but I, I am excited to see, you know, Steve Orlando's doing some really wonderful stuff with, with, uh, Scarlet Witch recently and, uh, seeing this new empowered, confident version of Wanda, uh, sort of taking, you know, uh, taking on Agatha again and, and just sort of, you know, saying I'm not the kid that I used to be. You can't really like. You can't really talk to me the way that you used to. Um, right. It's going to be very interesting. And of course, you know, we're 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 ride or die for Stephanie Phillips on this podcast. So that's really exciting.
0: Sure. Yeah, of course, yeah. It, it, it's a series of annuals. So it's a it's a it's not really a crossover uh, mm-hmm. storyline. It's not really an event. But Marvel's done this a few times, right? Where they have uh, they had the. Uh, Uh, Carla Pacheco did like that Punisher book, for instance, and there were a series of these. And if you don't know, an annual is usually a 40 plus page one shot Uh telling its own story. But these will be connected ever so slightly, I'm sure. Also, this
1: uh, this cover for Scarlet Witch Annual Number 1 by Russell Dodderman is just Mm. gorgeous. He draws a
0: really good Scarlet Witch. He absolutely does. Yeah. Moving on to some more Marvel news. Guardians of the Galaxy got a new trailer. No, not the movie, the comic. You silly goose. That's right. Uh, I only wanted to bring this up, we don't usually talk about the Marvel Comics trailers, but uh, it forewarns of Groot Space. The coming of Groot Space. What the hell is that? Uh, This trailer is narrated and yeah, it's fully narrated about this this threat but essentially Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly who are writing this mm-hmm. are doing like a straight up western with the guardians Love and that. yeah it appears Groot is like galactus level eating planets potentially mm-hmm. and they need to stop him so i don't know i'm i'm down for it sounds like a really cool fun ride well and Colin Kelly
1: has also described the the series as sort of having almost a star trek style structure at first where mm-hmm. uh, you know each issue is going to be a different place that they're visiting and and trying to help out where they can. We also right. keep seeing this uh, this motif of a giant Groot on a lot of the uh, the cover art that's been solicited yeah. so far. So I'm curious to see if you know this is an out of control Groot. I mean, uh, we you know we've been we've been talking about the Groot fall you know storyline that's been teased, uh, which is a yeah. wild title. And yeah, uh, I'm I'm just so curious to see what form this new series takes people
0: need to be really careful with fertilizer and mm-hmm. fertilizing your plants too much and honestly <laughs> you could destroy the universe yes absolutely <laughs> speaking of the universe uh-huh. or is it the spider-verse marvel voices oh spider-verse Got some more details on this one. We already knew it was coming out. Yeah. It's part of Mar- Marvel's Voices um, line. Uh-huh. And, and we knew some, some of the creators that were attached yeah. to us. Now we know everyone. Uh-huh. No, uh, well, actually, and more. So almost everyone. Uh-huh. Uh, but some of the, we were just going over before we started recording yeah. some of these creative teams. And like Steve Fox is back doing Web Weaver. Cody Ziegler is uh, doing a story with Miles Morales. Uh-huh. What about the Sinister Sextet? <laughs> yeah,
1: we got a new Spider Punk story from uh, yeah. Jay Holtham and Ken Lashley. That's really exciting. I want to I want to meet you know this the this version of the Sinister Six. Um, the uh, Steve Fox and Luciano Vecchio do, Luciano Vecchio doing a story set on Fire oh, Island. It's gonna be uh, so good. Really exciting. Uh, uh, yeah, this is this is so exciting. Vida Ayella and Alberto Albuquerque doing uh, a Miles Morales story as well. Um, some kind of a take on a uh, maybe a children's show version of Spider-Man called Spider Friend is uh, mm-hmm. being done by Jason Liu, um, and we're getting we're getting a few new characters like Recluse. Right, uh, by Sh- uh, Cheryl Lynn Eaton, right? Yeah, and Julian Shaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So excited for this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm always a sucker for the Marvel Voices line. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite creators are coming together, bringing back some of my favorite characters. I, I mean, I'll, I'm... I'm in the bag for more spider punk. Everybody listens to this knows that, but like I, I have really come to love web weaver so much. <laughs> and so
0: it's such a great idea. I yes, think it's cool. Absolutely. I like the costume too. Uh-huh. I want to see that, uh, that web weaver cosplay too. Oh yeah. Oh, and uh, there's also a silk story by Jeremy Holt. And That's Eric- right. Coda, or Coda, which should be uh, a blast. Uh, honestly, um, a lot of these marbles voices, one shots have had, a couple of no names which is great lifting mm-hmm. up creators that aren't necessarily like famous but definitely this one is stacked like every single person has done multiple yeah. series or done image comic series or whatever like yeah this is going to be a plus like, you should pre-order this book right also, now also
1: as we mentioned before we started recording uh it's really interesting to see uh at least one of the miles stories uh is he's got his hoodie suit back on Mm, right yeah i um, so interested to see how that slots into the ongoing storyline and man i love i loved the miles and misty knight team up uh in the recent issues of of miles morales so getting another short story with that is so fun
0: it is it really is you know what else is fun what's that the opposite of fun oh. is sharon carter's new costume which is really scary and i'm scared oh yeah <laughs> carmen carnero's uh, new costume for sharon carter coming up in um, Captain America, the uh, Cold War event, right, it will be revealed there. But we got to see the design, which will also be a variant cover, and it's kind of got like a task mask. I was vibe. just
1: thinking that we've got the we got the orange accents, we got the yeah. the skull mask, which appears to um, have cracks in it, but sort of recede, like almost like an extremist armor kind of scenario. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, some really, really, it's a really great design. I'm, I don't know how this really fits into the story but we'll
0: see she's gonna go to a, a pre-k and kindergarten classroom since scared children I well guess. that seems uh, unnecessary <laughs> uh you know what else is necessary though what's that dark horse is teaming up with tapas to publish web comics dark horse is becoming the go-to for anyone who makes a digital comic and uh-huh. needs to get them in print it sure seems because they're way, also right? working with the uh, comiXology uh-huh so yeah they announced this week uh, multiple books are coming out in mm-hmm. print um in the fall starting in the fall Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we have previews of well not previews we have details on every single title but obviously these are already out on the tapas app so Mm -hmm. you can read them already we've got animal heads by sun m and sam curtis uh, an action
1: thriller uh signals a psychic suspense story i love those glasses she's got that's fantastic yeah tomahawk (laughs) angel great title yeah,
0: yeah. Looks like a pirate flying around.
1: Yeah, um, high-flying steampunk uh
0: post-apocalyptic adventure. Nice. Yeah, I'm Love I'm it. in the bag for all of these. They sound fun, yeah. It's always cool that these digital books can kind of exist and then find a new audience. Yeah, know. definitely. And if you're looking for a new audience that likes horror. Uh-huh. Well, The Bone Orchard Mythos might be for you. <laughs> it might it certainly keeps expanding, so there's something you're gonna like something from it probably. Tenement is coming out in June. Uh-huh. This is um, Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino's horror shared horror universe. Right, The Passes Away just come out. Ten Thousand Black Feathers has already come out, mm-hmm. and now Tenement. I wonder how many years this will go on for. I don't know, but what's fascinating is that.
1: Lemire told Popverse that this is the longest story in this universe so far. It's actually the first book uh, that he started developing in the Bone Orchard mythos. Hmm. So uh, it's it's actually meant to be something of a of a centerpiece, like a, a, a the glue
0: that holds this universe together. Ooh. So linchpin, yeah, really exciting. Speaking about long stories, uh-huh. if you started reading Battle Chasers number one, it came out in comic book shops in the '90s, then boy howdy, have sure. you been waiting? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> because Battle Chasers number ten uh-huh. is finally coming out this June, I think for real this time. Because last year um, Joe Madera announced that. It's coming back. Uh, we've all been waiting for issue 10 for, I think it's been 20 years? Something like that. Years? But yeah, it Crazy was originally
1: teased back in 2021. And then, you right. know, there's supply chain issues and all that other stuff got in the way.
0: Right. And he's not drawing it, but he is writing this one. Yes. Um, and uh, there's a preview on aptcomics.com if you want to look at that. It's it's an interesting series in part two because it was a humongous hit. I mean, Majora's it oh, yeah. was amazing. Uh-huh. And there were, I think, delays in between even issue like seven and eight and nine, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm talking months, if not years, between those two. So then to get this one mm-hmm. is exciting. This universe also expanded into a video game, yeah, which is done
1: very well and and got and re, reignited the interest in the IP. Um, and if you aren't familiar with Battle Chasers, you can get caught up because there's a, a
0: Battle Chasers anthology paperback that's out in stores now. And if you're uh, unfamiliar with Maleficent, you can get caught up by watching Sleeping Beauty, That's right. which is a Disney film that oh, just yeah. came out uh-huh. in 1968. Just, just came out, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, every time
1: I hear uh, the name Maleficent, I think about Charlotte O'Copley's weird performance in the movie Maleficent. And uh-huh. Specifically, the way he says the title character's name. Like, there is a scene oh. where he's like out in the Forbidden Forest, and he goes Maleficent. Like, he's got like that thick fucking <laughs> accent. Yeah, that's funny. I, you, you, he's sound like a rock star. He's there. such For an
0: incredible actor, but he, he's so weirdly cast in that movie. I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I I pronounce everything correctly on the show. I know, and of course. When I see the word Maleficent. Mm-hmm. I say the word. I think I'm saying it right, but my brain says you're saying it wrong. <laughs> you're fucking up. Uh, yeah,
1: though no, this is this is rad. It's it's coming to us from uh, author and illustrator Sue Lee.
0: Yeah, coming out in May uh, from Dynamite. Acts as a prequel. Uh, exactly, it's a prequel to the Sleeping Beauty movie. So, yeah, uh, I, if, if don't want any spoilers, don't right. watch Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, this is part of uh, Dynamite's relationship with Disney, doing mm-hmm. these Disney villains comics. They also have Scar, which is already, I think it's already come out, or it's going to come out soon. Right. Uh, that's of course the villain from Lion King, everyone's yeah. favorite villain of all time. There's there's Scar, and then there's Darth Vader. There's, it's yeah, it's Scar <laughs> and Macbeth, our two greatest villains.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, I I love I love this. I am really excited to see this. The I've really been enjoying the Darkwing Duck comic book so far from nice. Dynamite. Uh, oh.
0: so yeah, more more please. I'm surprised they didn't start with Maleficent because. She's got her own solo movie, right. and like, there's a, probably a lot more swag out there. So like, Scar, like, I feel like Scar is like a comic that the, the comic shop owner would have to explain to you, like, oh no, no, Scar is a lion. <laughs>
1: no, and... <laughs> I think I, I think Lion King still
0: has uh, some cultural cachet for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. But Maleficent, Maleficent, you know. I want to I want to hear uh, Eminem sing a song about Maleficent. <laughs> well, you won't today. I've been told <laughs> I sing too much on this podcast. No, that's not true. I cue you up every show. In our next segment, <laughs> Top Maleficent. Books of the Week. Oh, perfect. We got it. I'm not a villain. Uh-oh. Everybody. Angelina. <laughs> Jolie. Sorry. On to our top books. Top books. for uh, For the show, we talk about our top two favorite comics out this week that's right uh what, what was your second favorite book of the week
1: my second favorite book of the week was uh the human target number 12 by tom king and greg smallwood uh, this finally brings the story to a close a little over a year after the the debut we had a, a brief hiatus after issue six and uh the story really plays out in a way you don't exp- well i mean it plays out the only way it could but there was mm. always a <laughs> Jump ahead, you know, to avoid spoilers. I guess. Oh yeah, uh, like true, thirty true. seconds. But uh, you know, the book, the series begins with Christopher Chance being poisoned and being told that he's got a very limited amount of time to live. And sure enough, this issue opens with him dead. And mm. but you've seen him do some really incredible things over the course of this book and oh, the uh, tales from the of the Human Target one shot. And so there's a part of you that kind of is expecting the turn, right? Like you're like, how is he getting out of this? What's going to happen? And in fact, this story is about the hole that's left, you know, Mm -hmm. the, and and about, about the fact that like superheroes get to come back from the dead, but guys like Christopher chance don't. Right. Uh, and, and I, I think that that makes this story unique in the way it approaches the finality of death and, Uh, The 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 impact one person can leave on an entire world. Mm. Um, I I'm still I I struggle with some of the things that uh, that ice has done over the course of this series. Um, But otherwise, I I do think this is a, a a really incredible character study And the final, it's, it's one of the most gorgeous books I've ever seen. I mean, Smallwood is a genius. I mean, I can't wait to see
0: what he comes up with next. Like, right. Stunning.
1: And, uh, especially like when it comes to the acting from his characters, right? Like there, there's so much that can be conveyed in just a look and King knows when to script those quiet moments as well. Like there is, there is such a perfect partnership at work in, in this series. Um, and I just I said this last week, but it has one of the ballsiest final pages (laughs) I've ever seen uh, in a comic book. And I just adored it. I I, this is a series that I can't wait to revisit when the inevitable, you know, complete edition
0: comes out. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to have the best hardcover, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully a lot of cool um, extras. I, I mean, I want a coffee
1: table sized version of this. Ooh. Like every, every panel is a painting and I, I just, oh uh, man. Smallwood's
0: done some amazing uh, tweet threads to exp- like talking about the art. Process, and how. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, like, if they could just capture some of that, I think people are going to be better God, off. If, <laughs> if I could
1: get like just one video of Greg Smallwood doing like mm. an Elsa Chartier style
0: uh you know pro- process How video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah i
1: just want to i just want to see him work man
0: well you know there are ways uh you can break <laughs> into his house no just uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it's uh it's interesting tom king is is, is continues to make these maxi or mini mm-hmm. that are quite good and yeah, you're you're loving Dangerous Street right now, right? I really like Dangerous. I wasn't a. Uh, I always like to preface with the things I don't like. Uh-huh. I wasn't a huge fan of Rorschach, but right. Dangerous Street is like, ugh, and and also um, Gotham Year One. I'm just oh sure, yeah, completely bowled over I by got, that I got series too. Got caught up
1: on that, so I am nice. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm totally in the bag for <laughs> more Tom King noir for sure.
0: It's funny, you know, Marvel's though. You know, they do the stories outside your window, but. Stuff like Danger Street or, or Mr. Miracle, they feel a lot more outside your window with the fantastical characters it, than yes. yeah. Marvel has been doing lately. Absolutely. See, so yeah, I have to knock something else. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my second favorite book of the week is Hunt, Kill, Repeat, number one by Mark London and Francesco Archia DeCono. Um, this one, I completely just randomly started reading. I didn't have any anticipation for it. This is from Map Cave. Mm-hmm. And I was just bowled over by how clever... Uh, of an idea the book had to start. Right. Uh, it's, it's not a spoiler to say the Greek gods are back. <laughs> and they're really pissed off uh-huh. with our technology and our advancements. And basically Zeus is this like total asshole. He, he doesn't want to kill us all, but he wants to rule us. Uh-huh. And Artemis um, has rejected her family and has gone off to uh, form a relationship with a human. And so we have this interesting story where these, like, gods are back, and they're really powerful, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't like the fact that she uh, fell in love with a guy and uh, is pregnant. So <laughs> it it starts out as this, like, fantastical gods, back-to-earth premise, right. and sets up a John Wick story, basically.
1: That sounds great.
0: She's, she's gonna... She has a really good reason to want to kill all of her brethren uh greek brethren greek god brethren. and um i can't wait to read more about this but yeah it's uh the premise alone was like oh this is hell yeah let's do this and it's well written uh-huh. it's adult too i mean there's full-on swearing in the book and stuff like that and there's violence swearing. and stuff i know you just never see it enough today <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no um it's 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 a it's a trip it's a real it's a real fun ride awesome our, uh-huh. our favorite yeah. book of the week is Detective Comics, number 1069. Yeah. By Rom V. Dexter Soy, Stefano Raffielli, Miguel Mont... Yeah, it's a lot. Miguel Montanca uh, all do the main story. And then Seisberger and Casper Wisingard do the backup tale. Yeah. Uh, Can we start with the backup story? Yes, absolutely. Holy shit. I love this. It's the first part of a three-part Ooh. backup. Casper's art... Amazing. The the bright pinks and purples are just so fantastic. Yes. And it's a Mr. Freeze story told from a therapist who's been trapped amongst the ice. Uh huh. And it's just so fascinating her perspective on what's going on and also her realizing that maybe he didn't completely freeze her so that he had a therapist to talk to. Right. Was one idea
1: showing how detached he is from humanity and the fact that he's talking about this person as though they're not there. And, and even in a way that sounds like he's almost trying to
0: psychoanalyze them. Right. Right. Like talk about who hurt you, Mr. Freeze. Right. (laughs) So there's a lot to unpack there and it's really, it's just really well done. And I'm, I'm so excited to continue to read the story. Yes. Yeah. And then on the, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and then the main story
1: uh, gives us, maybe my favorite i mean i'm i'm skipping a little bit to the middle of the book but like maybe my favorite batman jim gordon sequence in years
0: Oh, so good. So touching.
1: Yes. I mean, uh, you know, Gordon basically telling him, like, you can't keep doing this. I understand that you're larger than life, but I also know that you're a human being. Like, you know, I patched you up. It's the first time I've really seen how just fucked up your body is. You know, you you you're going to kill yourself. And this moment where Gordon thinks Batman has vanished in the next room. He's like, oh, you did your disappearing act thing. Mm. And the shot, uh, the the panel of Bruce with this, like, sad look on his face, holding his hand up to the door, almost like he wants to reach out and apologize, but he can't. He just can't connect. He he, he knows that Jim wants so badly to save him, and he just Mm -hmm. can't do it.
0: Yeah, it's touching. It's like there's a brotherhood there, a friendship there. But also batman's an addict
1: you know like yes he, right th- this this i mean that we were, were playing with all these ideas of you know uh not being able to slow yourself down and and being controlled by something outside of yourself throughout this run on the book and this is this is the moment right like this is essentially jim trying to do an intervention uh and batman just he he he's got to get back out into the night you can't ever stop, yeah, even though he's, like, completely broken at this point. And, and legitimately, every panel of this book is gorgeous. I mean, the, in so much detail, there's a shot in the clock tower where mm-hmm. you just see every individual gear and brick in the wall. Uh, a, a a panel of Cassandra Kane landing in a tunnel where, you know, the, the dirt and the grime just splash up around her boots. It's... Mm-hmm. This book just looks unbelievable.
0: Yeah, the, the opening scene with the uh, the ten what is it the ten eyed man. man? Yeah. Oh, so trippy, and the visuals are insane there too. Yes. There's this great double page layout of just like oh, like I don't know nightmares in Batman's mind as he's uh, incapacitated yes. here. And the, the the weird poetry that he's saying is just uh-huh. nonsense, but also like it is poetry, and there's something to it. And that there's just, you want to like reread to it. 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 You can see Batman. Yeah. Processing it
1: as the Ten eyed Man is describing him and describing how the only way his life can end, and you can see how Batman is processing that into visual information in his head. I mean, it's right. it's in Ariana Mars lettering for Ten eyed yes. Man is so good,
0: really good. We uh, we didn't even talk about the the Rene Montoya scene, which is really fascinating. Oh sure, again I... a, a,
1: a, another addiction. You know she right. she's burning the candle at both ends and you know, she wants to do everything the right way, but there's a part of her that just wants to grab a fucking gun, put on her mask and go out as the question. Right.
0: I love that. I love that twist with her character. It's Uh, pretty cool. She's
1: so great. It's one of my, one of my favorite characters in comics.
0: One of the reasons why this issue, I gave it a 10 out of 10, uh, which I don't normally do when I write reviews. And I feel like Rom, who was on the show a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. talking about this, I think you should totally listen to it. Talking about, Storytelling, Yes. And you can tell he is doing something different here. He's he's trying to tell a tale in this complex way that isn't easy to pull off. And he's doing new things mm-hmm. uh, with the narrative. Of course, with the ar- incredible artists, too. I mean, the freaking last cliffhanger page is mm-hmm. so cool. It's mm-hmm. so, I won't spoil it, but the dude, like, fills the page. It's really cool. Um, it's like every, even though this is not, you know, a single story, mm-hmm. There are different, like the page where Batman's hovering over Gotham and yeah. like flying. The captions are telling you something about Gotham and the. And Rom talked about this a few weeks ago with us, like the relationship to Gotham and what Gotham is and and uh,
1: what it needs versus what Batman yeah. may think it needs or what he thinks he's trying to preserve.
0: Right, right. It's it's really complex. It is. Um, it is
1: so I'll be. Fully yeah. honest, and I, I think I talked about this on the show before. It took me a couple of issues to really kind of groove with what Rom was doing. It just felt mm-hmm. so different, you know, and so mm-hmm. uh, such a different uh, tact, you know, to, to approach Batman from. And it is it's quickly becoming an essential part of the mythos for me. Like this yeah. is this is like it, it, it's it's operatic, it's dark, it's weird, but it, there's also such a such a uh, an intimate understanding of character in this book and humanity and, and yes and that it is it is truly becoming uh it, it's quickly becoming one of my favorite runs
0: all right let's get off our soapbox here <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about cool art yeah man because <laughs> we're men yeah um in our next segment standout pow moment of the week we're gonna talk about our favorite moment for panel page yeah and uh, my favorite moment comes from Cosmic Ghostwriter number one by Stephanie Phillips and Jonas Scarf. This is the backup uh, with art by Jonas Scarf. And uh, there's a backup, by the way, beautifully kind of recaps Frank Castle, if you didn't know, his uh-huh. Cosmic Ghostwriter of the Far Future, uh, previous her- uh, Herald of Galactus. Mm-hmm. And in this backup story, something is uh, basically trying to scare him straight or something. It's trying yeah. to freak him out. And there's a page, a full page splash. With this strange Galactus uh, person body thing, but it's got this like orb head or planet head. Well, it's like got yeah, no
1: head, and then like a moon hovering in the place of where his head should be.
0: And then amongst, and he's being held by this. If you go to Mm aptcomics.com, go to this podcast post, you can see this art in full. But. There are all of the people I think he's murdered or been involved in yeah. helping die. Like, his children are there. There's a, Thanos there's, with no head. <laughs> there's, yeah, Thanos with no head. There's, like, a dead uh,
1: soldier from his army days. Yep. Um, yeah. And what I love is that Cosmic Ghostwriter has so little respect for Galactus that he calls him Galen.
0: Which plays into the story. Yeah. It's a good call. out. He, uh, he actually does it on purpose. Uh, but... It all leads to a really. I think she, it, Phillips is telling us that she understands mm-hmm. this version of Frank Castle totally. and this now this version of Cosmic Ghostwriter who isn't filled with as much guilt. I mean, he he has guilt, of course, for killing millions, if not billions.
1: But he's also <laughs> he's yeah. It's that happened so long ago, and yeah. he's so far gone in his. <laughs> In his it's like mental state. Nobody
0: can make me hate myself more than myself. Exactly. So you, you can just stop trying so stop trying to, to scare waste me. my time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a cool it's a cool moment. And uh, I love Jonas's art. Which is I've also a very I mean, that's also a
1: very Frank Castle thing that's anyway. True. Like yeah. which I yeah, it's good. It's a great understanding of the character. And yeah, oh, well, this is such a baller image. The the artwork is gorgeous <laughs> and insane.
0: Could you imagine killing billions? That would suck.
1: I would I certainly wouldn't do it myself. Oh, of course not. No no no. <laughs>
0: What was your favorite moment of the week?
1: Uh, My favorite moment of the week came from Venom number 17 uh, by Al Ewing and Kafu Venom. Uh, And this is the culmination of this just bonkers fight with Bedlam uh, where he is stabbed through the chest with the soul sword And Mm. the symbiote rockets away from him. I mean, literally his body dies (laughs) and it's a skeleton. Yeah, the skeleton bursts from the symbiote and his his body explodes outwards, like with the sheer force of the death. I mean, it it Mm -hmm. looks it's so wild. You can literally see a halo effect with this blood looking symbiote splattering everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just such a it's a great payoff to this this wild action sequence.
0: Yeah. That whole book is really good too. That was close in my top two. It's, um, it's so pretty. Like every so clever, is so
1: pretty. And, and it ties into, I mean, at some point he's like, look, I know how this ends because I've seen it from the other side, you know, because mm-hmm. Eddie Brock at this point is all over time and space. Uh, so it's, it, there's a bit of inevitability there, but also the stubbornness of I'm not going out without a fight.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, Uh, just it's so cool. Yeah, and and the series is back on track now with this uh, new new
1: issue Uh after the dark web tie-ins. Right. Yeah, it's a a great issue all
0: around. But like this this image just really really stuck with me. Uh, Kafu's so good. Moving on to our top books for next week. Right. Our most anticipated comic out next week. Uh huh. And we both. Picked books that involve craters in New York. That's right. Uh, Why don't you start with your (laughs) crater? My crater comes from Fantastic Four number five by Ryan North Mm -hmm. uh, and Art by Ivan Fiorelli. Um, Uh So the Fantastic Four are finally back together uh, after the last four issues. Mm -hmm. Whoa, Was that on purpose? Four issues? Not together for four issues? It had to have been, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, so they're back together. They've kind of... Rebuilt their relationship. We know what Reed did, uh-huh. which broke and them why. up. yeah. And now Nicholas Scratch and Salem 7 is showing up. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan North's run on this. this has just been excellent. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll be on the show later this month to talk about uh, this and other books as well. I'm so excited
1: for that chat because, like, this is – these are my – I mean – yeah, it's going to be really hard for me not to fanboy because these are my favorite Fantastic Four comics in mm. years. I I love this series.
0: Yeah, and that's why it's on my list. It's it's so wholesome, is the thing. Uh-huh. And he understands the family aspect, mm-hmm. which I think they a lot of people forget about. Family. Absolutely. And I mean, it's what sets them apart, I think, yes. from most superheroes. So totally. yeah, I'm, I'm excited for more. What about you and your creator?
1: Uh, my creator uh, apparently involves uh, someone called... The um the scribble man, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, I don't know. It sounds made up. I can't wait for Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man number twenty one by Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. Uh, this finally, well, actually, there's a few artists on this issue: John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna, and uh, Marcio Menez. Um, this finally starts to answer the question of what did Peter do. Mm. uh so uh, you know we we started this run on amazing spider-man with a, a crater in the ground and some something happened in new york that basically uh ruined peter's friendships with everyone uh and so now we, we we're finally gonna find out yeah what what happened to peter why is norman osborne literally his only friend now aside from <laughs> the black cat and yeah. uh how did Mary Jane end up with two kids and a husband? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's a story that we have been waiting for, uh, legitimately, and I I am very excited to see
0: it play out. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> if you go on uh, Reddit, <laughs> people hate her husband so much. I they're like it's making so funny videos because I about how. Like
1: I haven't. I don't really know what his deal is. Right? Like, no, I, he's <laughs> barely
0: anything. He's just a, a guy who smiles. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> But someone made like a fan account with his name on Twitter <laughs> and they're just like shit posting like how awful he is. I love that actually. That's really funny to me. It's, it's interesting. I honestly have watched it grow the last couple of weeks. People get more and more into how much they hate him. Uh, what's his name? Peter? No, it's not Peter. It's uh, no, Paul. Paul. I don't know. Moving on to our next segment, Judging by the cover, Virginia. Junior. It's our favorite cover art out next week. That's right. Got to give the artists some cred around here. Absolutely. They don't get enough. My favorite cover comes from Avengers number 66 by Daniel Hainsworth. Uh, If you like pixel art, Uh then you're going to be able to buy this uh, many times over. It's a uh, a front and back cover of uh, almost every Avenger, I guess, related character in pixel format. Uh, (laughs) I I particularly like Destiny on here. Uh, MODOK is quite fun. Uh But basically... You know, yes, pixel art is very simple, but, and it's very tiny in this cover, especially uh-huh. if you look at it digitally, I'm sure it'll look even better in real life, but I just like to like, look around and go, who's that? Oh, who's that? Sure. Oh, who's that? Is that John Constantine? It looks like him. <laughs> uh, it's just so fun. I don't know. It's kind of, it's almost like, you know, it brings out the inner child in me. It's or
1: great. Like you sent this to me earlier this week and you were just like, this is like far, like there's not even a question. This is my favorite cover for next week.
0: I stopped looking. Yeah. I was like, this is the one. Yeah, it's great. I married it, and now we have three kids. I'm so happy for y'all. And we want everyone wants to know what Peter did uh-huh. to make me marry uh, this <laughs> cover. <laughs> sure. What is your favorite cover of the week? I adore A.L. Kaplan's cover for
1: Adventures of Superman. John oh, Kent, yeah. number one. Uh, this is a, uh, just a... a it's it's so pretty. I don't know how to describe it. I, I yeah. it's such it has such a beautiful painterly quality, like so many of Kaplan's pieces. Um, mm. I I love the optimism in John's face, uh, flying towards the stars, uh, into this gorgeous nebula just surrounding him. The 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 sparkles, the sun uh, at his back. I just there's something so the
0: eyelashes, uh, the eyelashes. He's just happy.
1: <laughs> he's free. He's beautiful and nice. i just I, I love to see it i love seeing john kent having a good day easy breezy beautiful cover girl absolutely uh <laughs> it's a great cover and also um i uh, skipped a little bit ahead and already read the first issue of adventures of superman john kent and i can't wait for folks to check that book out also nice it's a fun very time. good
0: very cool dude well you know what else is a fun time what's that sandy king Yes. Join us as we talk to Sandy about Storm King Comics and more. It's a good one. So, on with us today. We have Sandy King, writer, producer, CEO of Storm King Comics, here to talk us talk to us all about the going ons of Storm King Comics. You recently celebrated a decade of Storm King Comics. Congratulations!
2: Thank you. Thank you. We survived. We we
0: beat uh, the odds. Now, uh, take us back to the beginning with Asylum. How did this all start?
2: Basically. You know, we had a story that that John uh, Carpenter and Thomas Ian Griffith and I had been thinking would make a great TV show. And this was 100 years ago when they still would say everything was too dark, pretty sure. bad, <laughs> Right. you know, and, and we've heard that our whole careers and, you know, wherever we can, we ignore it. So we had this this property that was set up for development in a major studio Mm -hmm. and we always i always have artwork done for every series movie that kind of stuff and um i was talking about how it needed to be set in los angeles city was a character and it was based on uh lucifer coming through in the city of angels as a um to keep it clean a a a joke on god Mm -hmm. and um that it was important that it be here in los angeles because we have the santa ana winds that make it look like hell on earth because the the wildfires start you know there's cinders through the air and all that and this little under-assistant development person said, well, it's not like it's a graphic novel or anything that we're having to match to. Because they, of course, wanted to go shoot non- non-union in Wilmington. Right. So, And I said, um, actually, you're wrong, it is.
3: <laughs> nice.
1: And
2: Both. I get kicked by the six-foot-five master vampire under the table <laughs> and on the other side by a much smaller agent. <laughs> and... Um, We walk out of the meeting and they're going, what was that about? And I go, we're going to do a comic book. This is what it is. Yeah. And, um, and you know, damn good and well, all they wanted to do is they all want to say they're in development on a John Carpenter series. They're not going to make it. Uh, And they want to do a sleepy little town and all mm -hmm. this. And that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, I came home and and John said, "So how'd the meeting go?" I said, "Great, we're doing a comic book," meeting. and he was reading you all about comics. I said, "Absolutely nothing, but we'll learn." Yeah, and uh, we spent two years researching the art and the business of comics because, much like people who say they can make a movie because they've seen a lot of them,
3: because
2: mm-hmm. you've read a lot of comics doesn't know you doesn't mean you know how to make them. Absolutely, um, and we had. Great people we were friends with from, uh, you know, we crossed the same paths and you're at the same conventions promoting movies and things. So we had people like uh, Steve Niles and Tim Bradstreet and Jimmy Palmiotti and things mm-hmm. like that who were very generous with their uh, information, their advice. Um, and then, uh, in bringing on Bruce Jones to write, I learned how to write comics and how you're able to do something that was totally not part of the outline and IP I gave him and he sells me on it. And then I'm realizing I've got, you know, a comic with threesomes and police procedurals in it. And I'm going, what does this have to do with with Catholic (laughs) priest? Uh
3: Uh-huh. Right
2: fighting demons and everybody laughed and goes oh you didn't know that that's what he writes and i'm like oh (laughs) so in editing him i learned how to write comics and i learned about page turns and i learned about structure that's totally different from writing movie scripts and so it was a great educational experience it was a great uh going into another format of storytelling was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. it it was uh something i found we were really suited for and then we won some awards with the first one and i grew fangs and that was the end of that story
0: (laughs) (laughs) the end (laughs) the end
2: that's how we how we wound up in comics well,
1: so many, I mean, so many of Storm King's books have these heady topics they grapple with cosmic ideas, especially the the new book The Envoy. I mean, walk us through your story-breaking process. I mean, does it does it start with concept or character or yeah. can it, you know, uh, yeah.
2: No, it well, it starts with um, I think I have a great well of of writers and and, and I go out and hunt down the writers we want. Um, And I I find them everywhere. I find them in in screenwriters. I find them uh, in some comic writers. But I try and find them in novelists. And I try and find who are the best writers who are not necessarily the biggest in comics, who bring other voices in. And who, um, you know, I feel like adult comics, meaning grown-up themes. A little more existential horror, um, are something that's not already on the shelves, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. I mean, there's some great comics being written. The, the fact that Stephen King's sons are writing comics just pisses me off,
1: <laughs> sure.
2: You know, they are so good, yeah. Um, you know, now the younger ones doing it, and it's just like you want to go smack him stupid for that gene
1: pool, <laughs> leave some room for us.
2: <laughs> it's just like, damn. Sure. Um, but uh, the thing was that I felt, you know, why go out and and do what's already being done well?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, do I really need to try and create a superhero comic? I mean, the, the, right. why? I, a, I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the stories I tell. But B, I felt like um, our, we aim... To a different kind of horror we we aim to um who are you and and what are those fears you have at each age because we we were talking before we we started recording you know we now do comics for from ages four through old age Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and the deal is what scares each age group now you don't want to terrorize a four-year-old right but you want to let them feel like they're in on the fun when you hit halloween so those books um you know stanley's haunted house and the forbidden forest and those things let them have ghost bunnies and and things that let them feel like they're one of the cool kids Mm -hmm. but you don't scare them you just let them have fun. Uh, when you hit the eight to, to twelve year olds where um uh the Grimstown tear and yeah. um uh the, yeah, that's the eight to twelve year olds, but the the
3: Monica Blue.
2: Uh, no, the the other, no, that's a young adult. Um the one we Hush. were just as... Fetch is. Um <laughs> it's an age thing. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> fetch is you want to give them a little empowerment. Yeah. To let them deal with their fears of loss, uh, fears of, of separation, anxiety, and those things that are what they're experiencing in those ages. Mm-hmm. Give them some sense of empowerment because this is horror is allegorical. It's how you face your fears and work through them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Then as you get to the, the young adults, where uh monica blue and sacred hearts Mm -hmm. and some of those are well they're making their steps into the grown-up comics they're really not ready for the more existential uh what happens when i die but uh, or issues of faith but they're ready to face you know some of the some of the blood some of the guts Mm -hmm. and, and what's the monster in the forest that's well, not
0: interesting. I don't I don't know if anyone else is thinking about horror in that way, where it's like a stepping stone yeah. to the really terrible stuff when you're in your
2: adulthood. <laughs> well, I, yeah, because then you already know life is pretty sure, crazy, you know, sure. scary stuff. I mean, nothing's as, as scary as real life. Right. But how do you how do you navigate those fears at each mm-hmm. stage of your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what is life handing you each each step of the way? Right. And, You know, the people that come up to me and their kid is fascinated by the art in the adult books, yeah. And they go, "Oh, it's okay. Watch his Walking Dead." I said, "Well, first of all, that's a soap. Secondly, why? (laughs) That's true. Yeah,
3: this
2: this is not appropriate for your eight-year-old that is now, you know, thumbing through this comic.
3: Definitely, he's
2: not going to get it. It's over his head. But I'm not going to sell you this comic. Mm -hmm. But I've got these." And they will actually appeal to him mm-hmm.
3: right, right,
1: right. and
2: address what he the stage he's at. And- well, and
1: that that was the thing that really spoke to me about Fetch is you know the, a lot of I mean it, this is a story where this kid is dealing with mythological beasts and fighting giant monsters, but like the thrills and the and the the, the scares really come from things that were concerning to me when I was a little kid what's going to happen to my pets what's going to happen to my siblings are we you know what's are we allowed to go out late tonight <laughs> you know? yeah and, and I and I love that
2: yeah I mean you have to remember the child in you yeah you have to remember the kids uh, in my case my kids growing up Um, and, and then you look at the, all the the little kids around you and go, what are they afraid of? Sure. What makes them cry in the dark? Well, it certainly isn't issues of faith and whether there's really a God and whether, you you know, those things, you you don't throw that on them. Right. 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 Yeah. I want
0: to read like a pre-K horror book. What would that be about?
2: (laughs) Well, you know. All you do there is that's where you, you give them a chance to have fun, fun with,
3: um, mm-hmm.
2: you know, scaring each other that there's the haunted house.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then they, they play tricks on each other about it. And then what happens is there really are ghosts in that in that haunted house who are playing tricks on them. And what rises up are the the ghost buddies from Bunny Burl Mansion. I gotta, and they've been uh, the ones playing, playing tricks on them.
1: I got to check that one out next. That sounds like so much fun.
2: (laughs) It it is a lot of fun. We got nominated for uh, for an Eisner for that one. I always thought all the stuff I do and the heavy stuff and the (laughs) artwork and stuff. And we get it for Burrow Mansion. Um, But, you know, (laughs) which was actually really great. And we're all really. Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah. It's a huge market now with YA and uh, younger reader uh, comics.
2: It's hard to convince the YA kids that, that we're going to be hard enough for them. Oh, mm-hmm. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. in they don't want to be called IA. Right, they, right, they're, right, They're grown up. So you have to um, throw enough edgy stuff at them <laughs> mm-hmm. without going past that hoop. Sure. That they, they think they're ready for, but they kind of don't get it yet. And uh-huh. you really don't want them to. It's like, no, you really don't have to worry about life after death right now. Okay?
0: <laughs> you got some time.
2: Right, that's for the right wing Christians to terrorize you. But, you know, I'm not going to do that. Too true.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's like my, it, on the other side of that, you've got kids who, like my, my girlfriend's daughter is just getting into comics just within the last year. And she's, she thinks it's so cool that she can talk to me about comic books, and so she has these moments where she's like, "Oh, I, you know, I just read this story, and it was kind of scary, but it was really fun. There's, you know, big monsters in it. So it was just why I think Fetch is is perfect for her. But that's yeah. that's like the perfect age for that as well. To to you know, give them give them those frights, but also not you know go too far into the uh, into the abyss.
2: <laughs> there's yeah. there's appropriate places you can take them definitely, and you can start you know, messing with them in the eight to 12 year old range, but mm-hmm. give them an out, give them a sense that they can be empowered mm-hmm. and they can face their own monsters. And right. they can, uh, within reason, you don't want to say you're going to win every battle.
3: Right. You know, right.
2: Because again, that's like, no, live to fight another day. So it's like, I, I like giving them a challenge and saying, here's your tools.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You've
2: right, got right. something you've got yourself, you, you, you can do this.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's such an important message to hear, especially in in middle grade years, like everything's changing and you, you gotta, you're figuring things out for yourself, you know, whether you want to or not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I you you can't roll back. You know, this is, I know you want to crawl back to the womb, but it isn't going to happen. (laughs) And by the way, your parents are missing. Uh, (laughs) So you're going to have to do it alone, Mm -hmm. but there's a booger troll named grub and uh, <laughs> I mean, come on.
0: that's a great title, to a RR, isn't it? Crawl back to the womb. I feel like that could be. Really good. <laughs> that's
2: a- yeah. Yeah. If you could figure out a completely non-disgusting way to do it. Um, <laughs> it's a metaphor. It's all a metaphor.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sadie switching gears to this week's release, John Carpenter's tales of science fiction, the envoy, uh, I've read it. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. But what's the, blast, the elevator yeah. pitch for this? Because I I don't want to mess it up. But the, it's so clever. The two kind of the, the the juxtaposed characters and the the science sciencey science fiction sci-fi stuff going on
2: here too. <laughs> I don't know that there is one that's that brief.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, elevator
2: pitch? Uh, you get uh, you got sometimes. an elevator pitch for me? I'm, yeah, Sean's yeah. here. He's he's the you know I tend to go. I don't know. <laughs> we just we just create them. That's, you know, if I I couldn't sell milk to Biafra. Um it's, uh, <laughs> you
1: know, it's that's a new one on me.
2: <laughs> I, uh, um, you know, the thing about about some of our writers, in, in particular mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne Swarzinski and David J. Scow, is they really. They can be shoved pretty easily out of the box. And um, all it takes is for me to give a really great talk about, say, Swarzyski and scowl get competitive and go, "Oh yeah, I see you and I raise you." <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
2: A really complex alien <laughs> who, uh, Nice. Who is going to make it a really mixed bag? as to whether you have good or evil here and um, you know, is your knowledge <laughs> going to cure cancer
3: mm-hmm.
2: or is it going to be the downfall of civilization? <laughs>
1: you know? Wow. Yeah. The
2: <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's the closest I can come to an elevator pitch, which is
1: that works for me. Yeah, it works yeah, for careful,
2: be careful what you wish for, mm-hmm. but um, he's such a masterful storyteller mm-hmm. and, and again, gets into who are you really, you know, what it, what is it that makes you human and are you, what is it you'll sell out for?
0: Mm. Right. Sure. Yeah. The complexity is evident in the first issue and of the three issue series that's now out in comic Ooh. shops.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On a book like The Envoy, how do you? I mean, you 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 talk very highly of the your, your collaborators. How do you go about enlisting writers, illustrators? Do you do you typically have like lengthy story meetings, or is it do you just kind of, you know, ha, uh, have you know correspondence about okay, then now it's going to go into this place, and or do you kind of let them run?
2: I trust them, and I pay on time. The two, hey. Those two, those two but, things tend to work really well.
0: Which are kind of rare at some comics publishers, I would uh-huh.
2: say. Oh, yeah. Um, artists and writers are are historically taken...
3: Oh. Excuse me, the shadow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are,
2: are historically taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And people go, oh, if you just do this, you'll get a lot of attention. Yeah, well... How often have they been told that? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, Paid in exposure, that kind of thing. That's not... It's yeah. never good for anybody. Absolutely. No, no, no. No.
2: And, um, and I watched friends who were uh, comic creators for supposedly uh, creator-friendly uh, publishers mm-hmm. wind up losing their IP rights or being really controlled. And that's pretty rude. Um, So... I took that as kind of how I would m- make my contracts. So the writers, I licensed their stories mm-hmm. for comics and they retain their IP. That's awesome.
3: That's and great. I, yeah.
2: Um, the artists all get paid their full rights as work for hire so that I, I don't get James Bonded didn't see my own comic coming and going somewhere else. Sure. Um, but the the big thing is, I it's why I don't really take submissions from people because I go hunt for who I think is really creative, and then I trust them. Now, they give me a, usually the writers give me a choice of uh, three premises, fill them out a little bit. I say yes or no, mm-hmm. or I. I, I I'll ask them a lot of times if I like all three ideas. I'll say, okay, which one are you grooving with the most? Mm. Which excites you the most? Sure. So generally, I choose what excites them the most because it's going to be the coolest.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Most passion.
2: hmm Yeah.
0: The Envoy is the 11th series in the Tales of Science Fiction line. Do you? How far out do you plan these? Do you, ha- are you, do you have another 11 already set in stone or do you go one by one?
2: Oh, no we we plan them a couple of years in advance wow, that's so great. there's already a pretty full slate for the next three years
0: that's nice awesome. that's, that's that's great stuff to, to hear. look forward to <laughs> it is you never know a comic something could just be gone tomorrow you know you know and that's that's so awesome
2: now i'm tenacious largely because there were there were you know we were treated like a a celebrity vanity comic ah interesting when asylum first came out mm-hmm and a bunch of the old guard just kind of sneered and uh figured we were there to to launch ip to make a movie or do something right mm-hmm. and that's not what i do um, right as you may have noticed there's pretty much nothing made of our comics in in any other form right because i want to make the best comics possible so the focus has been on putting out really beautiful comics uh ones that that uh, you want to collect in a long box under your bed and make the comic audience happy. Mm-hmm. If anything comes of them separately from that, yeah, cool, because that'd be nice for the writers and stuff. Right, right. Um, but the first priority in a comic company, in my opinion, should be the comics. You hear about that it, a it lot. Was, Sorry.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, one of the things that, that I love is 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 kind of, knowing that there's a plan, you know, touching Mm. back on, on you talking about, you've got a full slate planned. I love that we've got this, you know, series of set mini series. I know I'm going to get a complete story and that is, that is so valuable in, in comics collecting as well. You want to make sure that you're getting the most for your money. When you go into a shop, you want a full story.
2: Yeah. You know, and, and some, you know, I, I like doing, the floppies for,
1: mm-hmm.
2: for uh, science fiction, just because I think it's fun for that group of readers. Totally. Um, and then having the trade because I I like it. I like to think that some of those will come back that way, and and particularly uh, the younger crowd. I'd love to get them back into collecting comics
3: mm-hmm. that
2: way. I may just be being nostalgic. I realize that most people are, are waiting and collecting trades. They're only buying number one and then buying the trade later. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. A lot of people are getting it digitally and then maybe just buying the one or two that really, really appeal to them and they mm-hmm. want to those. Um, you know, and I try and provide stuff that make each thing special.
0: Right. There's been a I, and. go ahead there's been a period where like aftershock has set up a media company on the side and boom has a first look deal with netflix so it has felt like maybe in the last 10 years the last 10 years you guys have been around too it's like moving in another direction where it's like okay let's make an ip factory that Mm -hmm. can maybe be leveraged into film or tv
1: well, and that's the bummer. Sometimes you you read a comic where you feel like I'm just reading someone's storyboard, and I, I don't get that with Storm King. That's that's right. also very but, very gratifying.
2: <laughs> yeah, because because I don't want it to become that. I mean, we we can make movies and we mm-hmm. can make TV shows, and unless something, not all comics make great great movies or TV shows, and not totally. all TV shows or movies make good comics. And I see everybody trying to create the sausage factory where that, and then we'll make a game, and then we'll do that, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be really careful because it's one thing to inhabit the same universe, mm-hmm. but you really owe the fans and the audience um, different experiences. If if you're going to do that, make those universe, same universe inhabited, but figure out how to revitalize it and change it for each of the the uh, formats
1: right absolutely
2: you're enriching their experience in their worlds not just kind of going oh here and here's the same thing except (laughs) you're you know watching it on a screen right right i don't think that's kind of it doesn't interest me i'll put it that way
1: it loses a lot of the thrill especially if you you know know where it's going or you you know you're overly familiar
0: with it. shot for shot the same thing as the book
2: Uh (laughs) uh-huh that's that's, to me except for very rare circumstances where you might be then launching the pilot from something or something that way but you got to have somewhere you're going that's different in order to Mm -hmm. make that not cheating your audience
1: yeah absolutely um no spoilers but Fetch ends in a really interesting spot. Uh how many volumes do you see this story running? Two. Okay. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. We're halfway there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it gets it gets really interesting because mm-hmm. the the story really is goes beyond her and her last dog. Mm-hmm. It's really Her and her interactions with her little brother, her sense of responsibility to that. Um, You know, I love the matter of fact existence of him being on the spectrum and being obsessed with the buttons
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and her sense of herself as the caretaker so that, you know, when at the end he causes a whole different branch to happen right you know i think book two is really gonna rock it
1: i can't wait yeah uh do you do you have any idea any time frame for when when we'll see that
2: yeah you know early
3: 2024
1: awesome early
2: 2024 my my master of all things in
3: scheduling
1: <laughs> uh,
2: because i'll sit there and go blank on everybody's names and what the <laughs> schedule is because we change it periodically and we go okay we need to have something special for this convention oh sure got that we can move and slot and not screw up the release date and then <laughs> now we need- you know, it's gotten so now they need things eight months in advance. And can we make it or are sure. we just screwing ourselves? Um, you know, so those things happen every once in a while. I go, oh, the lineup changed again. I just said the wrong thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean, it's a it's a good problem to have to have so many, you know, fires in the oven right now.
2: Yeah. Oh, we're so lucky. Yeah. I think I'm one of the luckiest people on earth. I mean, I I I really I love the people we work with. I love, you know, when the art comes in, it's like Christmas. (laughs)
3: Sure. Um,
2: Yeah. I mean, what's better than seeing new pages for the first time?
0: Ah. So many people have said that on this show. (laughs) So many writers, mostly writers.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that has to be. Imagine that you you just well imagine um you know <laughs> the stories i write i luck out mm-hmm. you know i get to choose my artist and pray that they accept
0: right and, right.
2: and then you kind of go yes i don't suck
0: <laughs> <laughs> <You> <laughs> I'm it off. Again? yes speaking about don't sucking uh storm king comics you're you've reached 10 year milestone where do you see storm king comics in 10 years from
2: now well, uh, yeah, hopefully we just have better international distribution and doing the mm-hmm. same thing I mean, I just want it to keep going, and then as I dotter off to the old folks' comics book home, that <laughs> Sean takes over the company, and I can laugh. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. We have twenty-three books currently working. I've just been. Uh, wow, that's impressive. That's um, awesome.
1: That's so exciting. Yeah, they,
2: yeah, I am single-handedly responsible for Sean having gray hair. <laughs> okay, dude, you're up <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, comics aside when you're when you're not super busy, what is your favorite method of procrastination what what do you like to do to unwind If um, you can
2: <laughs> you know, uh, it's usually reading books, yeah, um. I really just like to be really quiet and take in. I, I think you can't be a writer with, without reading. Mm -hmm. And I read all kinds of books, historical, uh, historical books. Um, I'm a big fan of true, true murder. Oh yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Um, And uh, you know, Right now, we're also doing a um, a reality show for um, the peacock that has to do with you'll never look at your neighbors the same way twice. It has oh, no. to do with, yeah, <laughs> with, I mean... The best version of that is Dahmer, where you've got the woman who lived downstairs.
1: Right. And Oof. she
2: knows something's weird about the guy upstairs. Now, she has right. no idea. He's got heads in his refrigerator. Right. But, sure. you know, when you find out that nothing's as scary that we can create as real life. Mm-hmm. But how does that change you? And how does that change your community? Right when these things get uncovered around you.
1: You don't often get to see that side of the story. You see the mystery being solved, but what about mm. the aftermath?
2: Yeah. And so that's been really engrossing. Yeah. And, um, what we were, what I was doing today was shooting the last of those interviews with the wow. people who live the experience Mm-hmm. And um, I get really fascinated with like there were two newspaper men who were their community was terrorized by a serial killer. And they were personally terrorized because they were the owner of the newspaper and the editor. Oh, and wow. They had, had written headline news sure. about this guy. But he escaped from prison. Oh, my God. And then came back and just wrecked havoc on this town, and he's gotten away twice, and he's currently serving, you know, life sentences and stuff. Yeah. But what happens to you when that's happened? What happens? Mm-hmm. When you've written letters to your wife. What happens to a town? And um, I find that like no one talks about who's left behind. Yeah,
1: mm, absolutely. Right, right, right. What's the um what's the title on that series? That I am going to be keeping got a
2: temporary title okay. right now, but I'm going to be um, keeping an eye out for that. Out. Yeah. That
1: sounds fascinating. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and um so when you wonder what I do when I'm racing across town. Sure. <laughs> sure. going. So, got to go hold that thought. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, but it was great to hear Two different aged men, two different responses. Oh, interesting. Um, a different perspective. Yeah. And the one that felt like, you know, how did it become like a real town experiencing Jaws? Ah, uh, and, uh-huh. and sure. Who just went, well, that's over and put it in a box.
1: Yeah,
3: right.
2: You'd have went, to be
1: crazy to to just he, <laughs> move on.
2: Went, it will never
0: be over. The sociopaths yeah. get to live easy. Yeah, <laughs>
2: no, but it's but it's pretty interesting how yeah. people cope with uh, those major tragedies. Sure. And um, the kinds of things that happen uh, around because because you really don't see that. I mean, if it just mm-hmm. been a whole series of, about killers, well, there's you know.
1: We've got those stories, yeah,
2: yeah, we've got those stories, and they've been you know canonized, and they think there's stars, uh-huh that that isn't interesting I don't I don't think it's fruitful
3: mm-hmm. sure
1: no, that's that's i mean that's an ongoing conversation, right like this do you do you make these people into rock stars by doing a TV show about them? Or or do you, you know, focus on, yeah, the people who are actually hurt by it?
2: Focus on those people. And it's real interesting to tap into their memories and their emotions. Which is Absolutely. Like, oh, you know, this was a landmine. Yeah. Right,
0: right. And hearing those stories probably helps inspire you with Storm King Comics and coming I'm up sure. with new stories yeah. and new ideas.
2: Yeah. Well, well, one of, one of the people I was really, you asked how I get writers. Mm-hmm. There's a real interesting uh, comic book writer, uh, Wesley Sun mm-hmm. who, uh, is also a, a uh, both a prison chaplain and a hospice chaplain. Oh, wow. And he and I were on a panel together and he wound up, we, we were on a, a thing on trigger warnings. Mm. And I uh, wound up having to handle a guy who was actually a member of the American Vampire Association where one, oh, wow. of, one of their members was brought up on murder charges for actually draining someone's blood. Uh-huh. And, and that guy had an issue with Game of Thrones. And why I got stuck with the question, because <laughs> you know, he was traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, <laughs> yeah, first of all, Um and then he had an issue with vampires and so first of all can we all just understand that they're mythological beings sure yeah right are no consent issues you have to invite them in if you go with the mythology and secondly
3: Mm -hmm. uh
2: you do know you're group is up on murder charges yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah let's have some perspective
2: (laughs) no one from game of thrones is actually murdering anybody Uh right right um and you have the option to turn off the television but meanwhile the 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 loon next to me is laughing almost falling off the dais and i'm like you're a lot of help and it's the child (laughs) and he goes oh no i deal with this every day
0: (laughs) Uh uh-huh that's funny (laughs)
2: he's now doing a comic Nice. Oh, awesome cool. um because he has these great issues of spirituality and how yeah. That okay. affects yeah yeah
0: the conflict of it i live about two minutes from downtown salem and there is a store for vampires to buy teeth and, and whatnot um they don't obviously support drinking blood real real life but uh, you've got the clothes and the teeth you can get or even like safe. yeah it's a whole one-stop lot. shop <laughs> exactly
2: yeah i mean people all have their fantasies but damn right uh, yeah when you find out (laughs) this guy's traumatized (laughs) okay um i can't help you right um but i'm sure there's psychiatrists that can help you deal with your trauma Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's how i found wesley and we wound up having um lunches together every convention that we were at mm-hmm. talking about issues of of uh, spirituality because you know here's this chaplain who counsels all these people on different things and i'm mm-hmm. an atheist and um so we have the it's fabulous you wind up in great conversations yeah um that lead to some of the underpinnings of stories that then come to life as, as graphic novels
1: That's fantastic. I love that. I love that process.
2: Yeah, Um, me too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're so thrilled that you joined us today. Is there anything else that you want to promote or tell our listeners to look out for before we let you go for the night?
2: Let's see. We have Interference Pattern, which is out now. Mm -hmm. And it's Calero. It's a great sci-fi one. Um We've got. What else do we have coming out? The trade for that is coming out in two weeks. Trade for that comes out in two weeks.
1: Awesome! Right on. We're going to be at WonderCon.
2: And oh yeah, we're going to be at WonderCon, um, and that's two weeks too, isn't it?
3: Yeah, that's good
1: timing. Well, that's March
2: twenty fourth. Yeah. So we'll be there. So and then after that, you know, Ontario Revolution, and Mm -hmm. and I think the next one after that is San Diego Comic Con. And then, of course, we'll be at
1: New York Comic Con. Awesome. Not slowing down. That's that's great.
2: No, no.
0: No, no, no. no, no. Well, Sandy, (laughs) thank you so much for being on the APT Comics Podcast. This has been enlightening, interesting, and fun.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure.